Hello, welcome to episode two of uh, the Caution Period podcast. I'm Mike, joined by uh, Martin and Pete. Hello. Hello, everyone. There you go. There they are. Um, and uh, we've got another episode for you uh, about ways to keep yourself busy if you're a motorsport fan, because there's no motorsport going on. Um, and so this week, uh, we thought we'd look a little bit into the future, because by the time I've actually edited this podcast and uploaded it, it'll probably be the past. Um so uh, one of the races that uh, has been cancelled and was coming up was the um, Bristol Food City 500 uh, NASCAR race. Uh, and given that Martin claims to have never watched a NASCAR race ever in his life, uh, and given that Pete has actually raced stock cars on short tracks, I thought it'd be quite a fun one to do uh, and kind of introduce ourselves to some sport that we don't normally watch. Uh, the other thing we were going to discuss is my adventure into esports, which has happened since we last recorded. Um, and also, um, I was going to talk a bit about uh, a documentary that's on uh, Netflix, sorry, not YouTube, uh, called Uppity, the Willie T. Ribs story, which I thought was quite good and interesting and, and worth talking about. But first of all, let's talk a bit about the news. And um, I think Pete's got a game for us as well. So let's do that first. Go on then, Pete. What have you got? Wait, we're doing the game first? Yeah, let's do the game first. Is it... Okay. All right, so, so... <clears throat> all right, so the rules are, mm-hmm. it's... Kiss, marry, retire of the 2020 F1 drivers grid. Right. So we each have to pick who out of the grid we would have have to retire immediately, but right. never race again in any motorsport. They basically, they might become a commentator or something token like that, but they're not going to do anything <laughs> race worthy. Okay, they do a Jolie um, and Palmer, basically. <laughs> they become Jolie and Palmer, exactly, yes. <laughs> right. Um Kiss would be they win a championship and then they go they do a full Rosberg right and they they never race again after that and claim to have been the you know, forever champion yeah and and marry <laughs> is you get a minimum I'm gonna say a four season domination where they they win back to back champions okay all right um okay well, so I think we should start with we we choose who we would want each one to retire first okay. I'm going to get. So, let's go for a com- controversial one, I guess. Um, I. I would get rid of. This isn't that controversial, but it is, seems a bit mean. It feels mean, but <laughs> I'm going to get rid of um, Sergio Perez because I don't oh, really. Under- gonna be... I don't really understand <laughs> why he's in F1 anymore. Like, like, I've got loads more, though, so it's fine. But, yeah, but apparently, apparently, he's. he's... He's the best of the rest, though, according to some people. According to Sergio Perez, like, he, he can he can when no one else can apparently get a podium. But it's I, you know, it's more important. Can he just this, have like this, he had like, like one really bad year at McLaren, and then uh, apparently at Force India he's always been amazing. But ooh. when he was actually in a good car, he was bad. Is how I sort of understand it. Well, but. I think I think it's even more important now because um, the Force India might actually be quite good. So. He's he's warming a seat that could be warmed by someone better, like George Russell. Yeah, so maybe. Who would, <laughs> so you wait, so you'd put Russell in the. Well, I guess the pink Mercedes would be pretty good. Yeah, so, yeah, in, yeah. And it's a place warming see that. a seat with a very very like rich bum though. It's a very like a cash rich bum who's warming it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's the only. <laughs> it would be quite there. funny to see him go after be basically pledging his 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 career. <laughs> On, on turning over Racing Point into what it is today, and then they boot him out. Yeah. So you, it would be quite funny. But, well, like, Lance Stroll has had a podium 
And when was the last time Sergio Perez had a podium? Wait, Maldonado won a race and we all think he's rubbish. I mean, that's true. That doesn't count, that race. <laughs> that, that was a total like, jackpot. It doesn't count at all. I just like if just I, striked it off the record. That, if, I could, if I could have another category for who to unretire, it would definitely be Maldonado. <laughs> he was endlessly entertaining. That's, that's true. <laughs> I've never seen someone crash so many times on warm-up laps and such. Do you remember the Williams Pitt uh, garage caught on fire that race as well? It was so <laughs> the, the equipment was so surprised that they yeah. won a race. <laughs> it just burst spontaneously burst into flames. But their telemetry equipment didn't know how to handle being in first. Um yeah, okay, so that's my so my retire is uh, Sergio oh, Sergio, sorry. Sorry, Sergio. Well that's cause it's like Stroll's the obvious one. Can I just go for Stroll? Is that really unimaginative? Because of so you guys have basically just retired racing points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. And we'll have a seat each, right, Martin? Oh yeah, I'll have, I'll have it. Well, when they become Aston, if they if they've got asp- when mm. aspirations when they become Aston Martin, they can't have two second tier drivers. That's if Aston Martin doesn't go under there. what during this lockdown period because no one's buying Aston Martin DBXs or something. I yeah. really hope that um, Netflix is there to film the. Um, the meeting where Lovent Stroll fires his own son, <laughs> and then they then they proceed to then follow them home for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> sitting in the same car, driving home. So who would so who would you put in Lance Stroll's place then? Don't say Sergio Perez. It <laughs> <laughs> drive both cars. What in the in the Aston Martin? Oh, there's so many incredible drivers who could be in there. Like, well, George Russell again. Sorry, again, Would it's a really be obvious one. But Paul he's, he's incredible. He's actually incredible. And this is obviously based on little evidence other than the um, Netflix series. But he was like, he was running Williams, basically. Yeah, he was telling them off every time they were doing badly, which was all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so as an Aston Martin driver, could we have Paul Dallalana driving? For the oh, why, do you, why do you want Paul Dallalana? Why wouldn't you want Paul Dallalana? He just makes every race entertaining. It's just like... <laughs> He's like, if you want to make any series entertaining, just put Paul Dallalana out there and then just crazy shit will happen. It's true. I don't think he wears a helmet. <laughs> I just, I, for some reason, I don't know why. I just I just can't. I just imagine he sits there with, just in, without in, a helmet. In a pinstripe seat, being a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> I'd put Tracy Crone in there. Can I have Tracy Crone in the force? We're <laughs> just going to put gentlemen drivers yeah. from Le Mans in it. Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, go on then, Pete. What's your what's your uh, retire? Who who are you gonna retire? I think you could probably guess who I'd pick. It's not gonna be Vettel because I I weirdly I, I like Vettel more when he's not winning. Right. Okay. Does that make any sense? I feel like I I just feel like the utmost sympathy for him at the moment, and I actually would like him to do. I I want him and Leclerc to have like you know a fruitful you know. Yeah, yeah. Mentor mentee relationship. So I I wouldn't want Vettel to retire. And I don't like the idea that you could as from the sports point of view, you could have someone that's so dominant mm. end on such a low. Like yeah. I think it devalues the sport if they don't end because like Alonso managed to be terrible. Sorry, Martin. Um, <laughs> what? No. They no, drive no. terrible cars. Um after winning, but everyone still considers them to be one of the best drivers. Mm. And I feel like Vettel should still get an element of that. So yeah, but he drove pick... those he drove those cars convincingly, and Vettel just hasn't risen to that. Like Alonso always bossed his like teammate, and always put in really good efforts in crap cars. Whereas when Vettel was up against uh, uh, that was up against it, he just like 
crumbles, basically. He did. We do love a good crumble, though. Yeah, we do. I, I do love a good crumble. Because <laughs> it's, the, um, it's the seventh anniversary this Sunday, uh, because there's obviously nothing to do but watch whatever uh, the F1 um, Twitter account, the, the videos they've been putting out. Mm. It was like the seventh anniversary of the multi-21 incident on Sunday. Yes, I saw those clips um, appear. It's still, like, still hilarious. Yeah. Still Does that mean it's, we should watch the... Um, the the race we should watch this weekend should, for, for no reason whatsoever, be uh, Vettel's first win. I was at like I was I was at that race. I was at that race. Two thousand eight Monza. It's got, I was it's got there. to be on our list, surely. Um, my mum was at digging some through some old stuff at home, like literally today, and she found my little schedule from that weekend because uh, I was there with Bridgestone. Um, and yeah, saw Vettel win. He put it on pole, obviously on the Saturday, and we were like. Uh, <laughs> what's going on here um and then uh and then yeah he he converted it completely it was a boring race it was starting under the safety car and the only thing i remember is i think fisichella drove over his own front wing and that was like literally all that happened in that race but it's always good obviously Vettel i was at the um, Malaysia 2013 race i was there with uh, lucy uh, oh, yeah. and uh and she uh yeah she liked it uh well she liked a bit in the podium at the end but then she managed to uh, fall asleep uh, through most of it though so I've, it's quite I, impressive in that era I've fallen asleep uh, during the V8 era um, sitting on the inside of Cops Corner at Silverstone during free practice I've dozed off I'm amazing at sleeping it's my special skill and I have was that hangover based though? no it wasn't not that time it was just general tiredness but um, but yeah I can sleep so would you say that now presumably would you say the turbo era you're more likely to fall asleep yeah, during? yeah it's quieter and actually weirdly I think the V10 era was you'd be more likely to fall asleep as well because even though it was loud, it was it's quite monotonous. It was it was like a smooth noise. Whereas yeah, the, so yeah, yeah. The if we, was really if we segued into which engine, it's easy to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely I think these ones are definitely because when they happen to they said they're almost too quiet because they just don't be annoying or something. And there's that kind of that swishing to them which wouldn't help. Mm. I quite like the uh, the background noise hairdryer sound that they have. They- they, yeah. When you're there, and like Martin pointed this out to me before I ever went to a, a V6 hybrid race, but when you're there, they sound brilliant. They sound really, really cool. And there's loads of character to the noise and stuff. But it just They're proper sci-fi. Yeah, it does not come across on the TV at all. Yeah. Like, and also, really I liked, as, like, as good as an engine sound is, I think the sound of an undertray, uh, like skimming mm. asphalt oh, yeah, at high brilliant. speed while it's being sucked down by all sorts of crazy aero. So, it's just as it's just as good a sound well, I, as like an engine. Th- that on top of the um the sound of like you know when you're in a braking zone and there's they're hitting the brakes with their outside wheels on the rumble strip, mm. so you hear like the rumbles but changing in yeah, but like but the thing is it changes in its yeah. tone as they're. Yeah, outside the cops is always a great place for that because they're doing it at like like 160, 170. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah. just especially in the, a turbo in this era as well, you could just hear. This <laughs> <laughs> it's really satisfying. I don't know why it it really hits over me. The, the f- hey, look, so my my retiree yes. is going to be Bottas. Yeah, because I thought you might say that actually. I just think he's just a waste of a. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, and yeah, but, but I just this, feel you like you haven't seen Bottas four point was about to arrive. You didn't get, we didn't get to see Bottas <laughs> four point an, an impeccable beard. <laughs> <He's> just... <laughs> yeah, it's, I think he's it's not... Bottas three point one one work for Windows version actually going to be this year. He does he have USB support? Not yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I feel sorry for Bottas. He seems like a really cool guy. Like, and I loved it when he was like, "To whom it may concern, f you." When he won in yeah. uh, Melbourne, but he's just not. Um, he's not that great uh, compared to Hamilton. But then who is? Um, but he just doesn't seem to be like angry enough. 
like you know how Rosberg was just basically furious and it was just yeah. because he was so furious that he managed to beat Hamilton like Bottas in spite of that message at Melbourne he's got that kind of cool calm like Scandinavian thing and I think it almost works against him like he just doesn't he sort of like yeah. rolls over a little <clears throat> too easily well I get that and also in, in an era when like you know Hamilton is clearly becoming a bit of a goat but you know we need storylines. If Hamilton's going to be dominating again for another season, at least having him have like an inter-team fight with someone who's getting either annoyed with him or annoying him would be just another element to the storyline. Like similar to what's going on at Ferrari. Like if we had a George Russell in there or an Ocon in there mm. or any any one of the other Mercedes young drivers that they seem to have plenty of, like why keep... They're only keeping Bottas in the seat because he doesn't upset Hamilton. Yeah. And that... In turn, upsets me. That's good chemistry. Like, why would they? Why would they just hire someone to like? Ah, oh, this, this relationship. The problem is that they get on too well, and this other guy is just too consistent. Hey, this <laughs> like, making the decision. Just, oh. is, this isn't the best decision for Mercedes. This is the best decision for me. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but, but do you think it like reflects? Do you think Bottas's time in that Mercedes seat uh, reflects better on Rosberg for actually managing to take it to Hamilton that one year? He definitely got. I mean, I think Rosberg's purpose at the team was openly to try and get the championship. I don't think Bottas has really been... I mean, as far as the outside press is concerned, of course, they're a level playing field, at least at the beginning of the season. But we all know who's who gets preferential treatment there. And I think there's... Inside that team, Bottas has said, look, you've, if you win the first six races of the season, then, of course, you're, mm. you know, we're going to support you. But... You know, if it's fifty-fifty, then yeah, you know, but it's, it's much better. It's never fifty-fifty. Um, it's the problem. Well, it's much better. Our, you know, column inches if Hamilton becomes you know the the most uh, I hate the term winningest driver mm-hmm. in Formula One. Yeah, um, with the with Mercedes AMG power, isn't it? It's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's the yeah. only reason Mercedes is sticking around in Formula One at the moment. Like, I think they want to see Hamilton get that final because, like. I mean, the construct- and then they're going to do a Rosberg. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, it- <laughs> they're going to bring Rosberg back to retire the team. <laughs> but it's like a. I think they want to be in Formula E and and not do Formula One anymore. And there's definitely been I don't those think sort they, of they just, I thought they recommitted recently. Yeah, but I think they're re- I think they're recommitting just to get Hamilton over the line for his like. Seven- I, thought it looked, I looked like a recommittal beyond Hamilton's contract. So I presume Hamilton's only going to be there for another two, three years at most. I don't even know if his contract's even that long, is it? I don't know. Because well, well, the Ferrari gossips just because of its ending next year, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah I, it doesn't make sense for them to duck out right at the end of a, a series of regs that like has been amazingly favourable for them as well. Anyway, yes, let's carry uh, so on with the game. We have to, yeah, so we have to go on to who... So we'll go back to you, Mike. Who are you going to have win just this championship and then retire uh, immediately? I am going to say just this championship and then retire immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say, oh man, I'm a bit torn here. I'm, I am I have a really good one. I'm tempted by Ricciardo, but I think I'm going to say, and again, this is probably like quite an obvious choice. But I'm going to say Vettel. Like I'd like him to get one more. It's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. Uh, I want to see him get one more. And then, and then, like quit. snatch it from under Leclerc. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's unlikely to happen for obvious reasons. Um, but 
it would be great to i because i like i like vettel like you say i think he's a cool guy um i think he's a really good laugh uh and he's been a bit of a and a, a, he does seem very relatable too yeah. he's just like a normal guy mm. he he doesn't he, he's not in the limelight a lot he seems like he has what seems to be the most normal life outside of formula one yeah and he gets very relatably annoyed yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, and then it would be a good time for him to retire and he can go off and do something else sports cars preferably so he'd be a great Le Mans entry yeah he'd be brilliant so got uh, mine you okay well I don't know my one's really difficult then but I'm gonna go for uh again I think it's an obvious one as well but I go for Hamilton you want um, yeah you want the one more Hamilton just and to retire. close yeah. the book yeah yeah well, I want one more just one more and to beat the um the Schumacher's wins record so, and then, to be, so then he becomes the winning in inninist. Winning, winning <laughs> um, in So as yeah. so, just just for everyone listening, right? So he's tied right now, right? Yes, currently tied with Schumacher. And then he'd be no, no, he's so not. He's, got, he's won six. Oh right, but, well, so, did Schumacher win? Yeah, seven? so that's what I thought. So yeah. are you gonna you're gonna have him tie with Schumacher? Yeah, but, but get he'll tie wins. Schumacher, but then he'll have the most wins, and so he'll be he'll be uh, yeah, sorry, the winningest. Yeah. Um, just because if he's so like. I know. Just, I just think it's a good time to bow out. He's at the peak of his powers. Mm. He's. It's gonna. Um, it, it is gonna be tough for him after this year because there's a fairly good chance that Mercedes isn't going to be as dominant after the reg changes, mm, especially yeah. because all the cost savings are going to come in. So, you know, he's got to make a decision. Does he hang around for the sole purpose of just getting that one extra and getting that, yeah, extra title, I and think then he's... essentially hang around for ages trying to do that? I think he's a really smart guy as well. He should do what Prost did, basically, and just go out, like just win that one last one, and then just like just to edge ahead. Because when Prost did it, he kind of edged ahead of. Um, that's when being a three times champion was a big thing, and no mm. one, I think, no one thought at the time anyone would ever get the fight that Fangio had. And obviously Schumacher did it. Mm. But yeah, Prost just came in, won the fourth title at Williams, and then just sacked went off at the yeah. top of his powers. Yeah, Hamilton's got so well, much else going on in a way that like most other racing drivers. Yeah. in all of history just happened he's got like music stuff he's got fashion stuff he's a zoolander for exactly <laughs> so he he's he's um i he there's nothing keeping him there really like wait is he gonna be another call of duty is he gonna be a dlc for call of duty warzone <laughs> maybe oh my God, i, I can't believe he's in yeah call of duty <laughs> Jeez. yeah um so he, you know i that's i get it yeah but that's a fair choice martin i think what about you pete What's yours? I'm going to go for Alex Albon. <laughs> what? Yep. Come in, get one championship and go to Formula E. <laughs> It'd be brilliant. Max Verstappen would be like, what What just happened? <laughs> oh, all the time. Actually, that would be... Rosberg up Verstappen would be... He'd be so angry. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Verstappen is phenomenal, but how great would it be to have him beaten by his teammate and then just sacked off? Like, I'm just... I'm out of here, guys. <laughs> this is fine. I'm good. I'll move on to the next thing. So, that would yeah, be that's, that's my shout. That is an incredible shout. I like Albon as well. He seems like a good guy. I was, yeah, I was like... He came across incredibly down to earth on the um, on the Netflix documentary, especially because like, how are you going to deal with that situation coming in where someone's basically, you know, been fired from their job? Yeah. And and ultimately, all he has to do is finish in that gap that's about 50 seconds wide mm. between <laughs> the slowest of the six yeah uh, the slowest of the five and, and and then him and then the, the beginning of the, the rest i of mean the to pack. be fair so, gasly struggled to do that so it can't be that easy <laughs> <laughs> um 
All right, go on then. Uh, so the final one then is that this is the person who I mean, would have to assume that after this next season, who your retiree driver mm. who wins after this season then takes on, and then we have to sit through domination of this this driver. Okay. Um, I uh, I'd be tempted to say Leclerc just because he's such a dreamboat, um, but I'm gonna I, say I can see that I'm gonna say Pierre Gasly just. Despite oh. despite Helmut Marco and Christian Horner and Verstappen, and Verstappen. I think it'd be really funny. I think for comedy value, can you imagine Pierre yeah. Gasly suddenly does has a run of like four championships? Red Bull keep buying worse yeah, teams exactly. to demote him into, and he keeps winning. Yeah. It'd be brilliant. It'd be amazing. So that, I'm going to go for Pierre Gasly just for sheer comedy value. I like that, and he seems like a nice guy too. Mm. And you, well, obviously, I know why you picked him because you met him. Yeah, so and he was a, he was a nice guy. Like... Yeah. Oh, but come on, you've seen the you've seen the final episode of Drive to Survive too. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't he a Red Bull driver when you met him? Yeah, he was. It was his last race as a Red Bull driver. Did you give him some tips, Mike? <laughs> yeah, was that what happens? You were like, hey, you've got to try doing this, and then that was it. Beginning of the end, got immediately demoted. Because um, you remember, he had a, that shock. It's in the, it's in the uh, documentary. He had that shocking weekend uh, in Austria where he was lapped yeah. by his teammate. Bad times, bad times. Yeah. But that final episode was just like so emotional. Totes emotion. Um, it was amazing. Okay, go on then, Martin. What's your, what's your uh, choice? Oh, this is, again, it's really obvious. Um, uh, it's Daniel Ricciardo because of because he's so bloody nice. Yeah, he does seem like but a I wouldn't. Nice I wouldn't want him to do it at Renault. Can we choose what team they do it at? Sure. Yeah, we've got the year where... Um, where the uh, one and retired has won it, so they there's time for him to move around. Where do you want him to move to? I want him to do it at Ferrari. I just think it'd be well loved to do it at Ferrari, and I quite fancy seeing Ferrari at, 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 up at the top again. Can you can you ever imagine though Ferrari just like dealing with Daniel Ricciardo on a like weekly basis? He's like the least. I think Ferrari it's I think it's what ever. they need to be honest. Yeah, I it's think, definitely I think, what they need. Yeah, they'll have to deal with it, but. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, it's a good shout. I'd be happy to see him win loads of championships. I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's ever going to win a championship. I don't, unfortunately, anymore. Uh, unless he goes to Ferrari, uh, which is a possibility. But yeah. But then do you think you do you really think Ricardo's as quick as Leclerc? I don't know. I'd be, be I'd be interested to see. I think it'd be quite quite close. Hmm. Who knows? Hmm. All right. Fair enough. And how about you, Pete? I I this is the one I struggled with the most because. There's a few characters that, for the same reasons why Martin chose Ricardo, that I'd like to see being like a, a new face of the sport, and that's what the the dominant person would be. So, like naturally, I was kind of leaning towards um, like a Lando Norris mm. or even a Carlos Sainz, and you know, and also in the in the McLaren too, I think would be great. But for some reason, <laughs> I wanted to be Kimi Räikkönen. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I wanted to be like just out of nowhere. He just is. It's like right, I'm just. I'm, I've had enough driving at the back, and and I wanted to be when the, with a teammate who's not bad, but right. not doing as well as him, and the, no one really knowing what's happened. It's just the Kimmy that that we knew a few years ago comes back. You know, like when he was driving for Renault, yeah, and and it, or sorry, Lotus even, yeah. When like it was like. Every other week, he'd be up like in the podium positions. Like, what? Yeah. What are you? 
what's going on? And that was, that was his whole, like, leave me alone. I know what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Incredible. That was like, actually his most arrogant as well. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just feel like there were some, some times where whether it's, it's probably, you know, romanticizing it, but thinking that he's just sometimes on a mission and drives remarkably well. Mm. It's probably more likely just, you know, all the parts fall into place. But he is a fantastic driver when he doesn't have pressure on him and he's not... Yeah, and he and he's actually into it. He he so, absolutely slayed me with his line right at the end during, during the montage at the end of Drive to Survive. Yeah, that was just like, brilliant. Oh, it's just a hobby for me. I don't really need to do it. <laughs> Everyone else is like, <laughs> I must win. I am going to. I'm going to win next year. I will be dominant. And he's like, hey, you know, but I'd whatever. I'd also love it to be in like incredibly high pressure situations, like very close championship fights, loads of politics going on with other teams and stuff like that you know musical chairs with team swaps going on all mm. this stuff and it would just be cutting back to interviews with him and he's like what <laughs> what i don't really care i love it i think it's, it's fine brilliant. i love that it's fun like when he won in 2007 as well he was just like the most confused and person on the podium it's like he had no idea how he started with this like and he obviously it's just because everyone else is tripping around him and obviously he deserved it he was an incredible driver but 2007 was not a good season for Kimi Raikkonen, but still he won the title. Yeah, he sort of fell into it. It's a beautiful looking Ferrari though. That car, that 2007 Ferrari is gorgeous. Particularly yeah, like, exactly. like they changed the color of the paint um, partway through that season, and they changed it to a, a more conventional Ferrari red. But at the start of the season, it was that kind of like slightly darker, more rich red, and it just looked amazing. Do you know this? Is this come Gran Turismo Five with the two liveries? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they had both. Yeah. both it's got both liveries oh, in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was there. I was at there on the Friday with Ferrari that year at Silverstone, um, and had a really good risotto. <laughs> That's my main memory <laughs> that week, that race weekend. I had a really nice risotto. Um, okay, cool. So let's. We've all watched a race this week, um, uh, which is freely available on the NASCAR uh, YouTube channel. It was added, I guess, seven months ago or so, um, and it was the 2002 Bristol Food City 500 race. And I picked this one. Um, because A, it was going to be Bristol weekend anyway, uh, so it's it's kind of fitting uh, that's coming up. And also B, because like Pete, you and I used to play NASCAR racing back on the PC, and Bristol was one of my absolute favourite circuits because it's so, so bonkers. It's basically, uh, a, what is it, a quarter mile oval or something like that? Uh, it's, half, it's a half mile half oval. Half mile oval in a, in a sort of like Roman Colosseum kind of stadium. And it's just it's the new Zandvoort final corner yeah. back to back. <laughs> um, and at the time, although they've changed this now, at the time it had a concrete banking as well. So it's just really slippery, really steep in this kind of like bowl of of like 150,000 fans or something crazy like that. Um, and it's pretty, it's really, really good fun uh, to race. But like, I, I know I love Bristol. Uh, I think I know Pete loves Bristol as well. But like, Martin, what did you make of this race so i've never i've never really watched like my my uh experience of nascar extends to days of thunder and okay it extends to repeated viewings of days of thunder but i don't know how realistic days of thunder is but pretty, it it's pretty out, accurate like, yeah <laughs> well, real nascar's way more nuts like it mean, would not like it was like this was mad max 3 basically this yeah. wasn't like anything that's in days of thunder <laughs> it was just crazy it's like just it was like how many the fields like 40 over 40 cars yeah i think it's 40 or 43 i can't yeah it's, like, it's like 40 really angry looking cars basically <laughs> driving around a car park together and it's, <laughs> it's like true. it's not it's not a race it's like a fight basically it's like it's just it's a massive scrap for like for like it's like so many laps as well yeah obviously it's only half mile like 500 laps isn't it yeah 500 yeah. laps and it's a 16 second lap 
basically. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's completely they, relentless. They, do you remember there was one year, it must have been a couple of years after that one, not, this was quite a long time ago, mm. but where they had, it, it was snowed off. Really? <laughs> and they had, they and the crowd is so close to the pit crew that they were throwing snowballs and hitting the pit uh, crew. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really but, tight. It quarters. is that time of year too, where it's it could be it, yeah, you, know, you yeah. could get like a wintry, you know, storm happening. I, so. I I made some notes, but I think the main thing is that this is basically like a NASCAR race that had absolutely everything. So it had like thirteen cautions, so like loads and loads of crashes and action. It was. It had the best slogan that UPS I think has ever used, oh. and it's not a surprise they don't use it anymore. <laughs> oh, so, oh, brown to the bone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like what? What were they thinking? What is that? I like don't... a service suge- serving suggestion or something? That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I saw that as well. I saw that. Um, but it had a fight at the end. It's that not fight a... is we'll, so we'll get, good. We'll get to that. There's a few other things I want to talk <laughs> yeah, about. Okay. Firstly, I didn't know this guy. I, I mean, I follow NASCAR a bit, but not to the point where I remember things like this. But Buckshot Jones. <laughs> Yeah, how is there a driver <laughs> called Buckshot Jones? The That's most a made-up name. name if ever I heard one. The, Brilliant. the only more ludicrous name, uh, and the guy was also in the field, was uh, is Dick Trickle, which is the best NASCAR name of yeah, all time. Good name. Um, but yeah, Buckshot Jones is so NASCAR, so amazingly NASCAR. His real name's Roy, though, which is less dramatic. Roy Jones. Yes, yeah, not quite the same. You can see, yeah, wait for Buckshot. So I didn't realise that when I signed up, I could just give them whatever first name I wanted. To. <laughs> you could have been Bubba Ray Thicket. <laughs> That's been my problem all along. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, Buckshot Jones is amazing and a real hero, and finished pretty much dead last, from what I can tell. I loved it in general. Like um, for me, it's very much the era I kind of like fell in love with nascar a little bit and um the cars did look absolutely cars looked amazing too. and it's got so many of those like classic liveries like the the steve park pennzoil one i absolutely adore uh obviously jeff gordon dupont uh livery is is just iconic the tide car uh and yeah. my personal favorite uh mark martin in the viagra car as well mm-hmm. which um <laughs> I just love the uh, the perfectness of having the oldest driver in the field also driving a car sponsored by an erectile dysfunction medicine medicine basically <laughs> like um yeah it was, it was awesome so like that that's like classic NASCAR for me those liveries were all brilliant um the cars move around so much as well yeah. in their cornering they just like um I don't know how this compares to modern NASCAR um but like yeah, just when you, when they when they're moving around, you can just see them rolling everything and shaking it. It's phenomenal. I guess the surface at Bristol helps because it seems to be just rubble, basically. So this is this <laughs> yeah. is the thing. Like I remember, um, I remember when they brought in the car of tomorrow, um, and I watched Bristol that year, and it was the first. You know, obviously it was like one of the first sort of three or four races of the year, and I think it was Kyle Busch who won that that year. I think it was I think it was oh seven again, uh, the car of tomorrow. And he won the race and he should have been ecstatic, but he was like, these cars suck and I hate them. And basically yeah. they didn't they didn't move around in the way that they do in the race that we just watched. And then they've compounded that now by changing the surface at Bristol so it's more grippy. It's not a concrete surface anymore. So those races like the one we just watched don't exist anymore. It's really weird. Like yeah. Bristol just well, is and not they've what they've tried it to and, and here's the thing I I, I really I don't know if anything's happened like this in any other sport where you have a situation where they want to just make the race more exciting mm. and 
to do that they paint and they they've done it other other tracks too but they paint that um it like it's a i think it's called like vht or something right it's like a traction compound um and they painted it on the upper groove at bristol mm. so that when you go it's literally like a sticky surface so right? it's like so a speed can, up basically it's like that's incredible yeah so if you go out of the ideal racing line then you there's more grip up there because they've just changed the you know basically the friction level of the surface yeah. and you just feel like well that it, it doesn't it's incredibly art i mean i know that it kind of like it's not really it's kind of a moot point because the whole track is you know imagined by a person anyway but mm. yeah i like the idea that i think we all grew up watching racing at tracks that were based on like airfield mm. ring roads and things like that and they mimic the the you know the elevation changes of the of the um the ground they're covering yeah but so we're not as familiar with looking at tracks where they've just said okay well here's an empty field let's build a racetrack in it so they you know i I guess i have to kind of like just choose not to find that as a frustration but i do think it's a bit yeah it just seems like a bit of an afterthought to just paint like a sticky get a prit stick out just glue it on the surface and i think it and see what happens i think it definitely ruined the character but like one thing i will say is that um I didn't realize this because I originally suggested we watch the 1992 Bristol race and I I started having a look and I didn't recognize the circuit at all. And it's because they hadn't built the concrete um, banking at that point, which is Bristol to me. And also they didn't yeah. even have the stadium. So it just looked like a totally different circuit and it looked rubbish. So I decided we'll watch <laughs> we'll watch the 2002 one instead. But um yeah, I, I know what you mean about the, the sticky thing. Also, it just seems mad to try and create an outside line, a, 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 an oval as short as Bristol. It should be like yeah. a single line, super slippy, and if you mess it up, you end up in the wall, which lots of people did in the one that we watched. And that's what like a lot of short track NASCAR tracks are. They, they are a single line, and that's why yeah, it's a massive disadvantage if you get pushed out of line, mm. because you'll lose probably 12 or 14 positions. It's, you know, it's and and at a racetrack like that where you've got basically endless traffic, it's a massive issue yeah, if you yeah. end up getting pushed offline. But that's why there so were a few things that I noticed too that they were talking about it that I was surprised by. At one point, one of the cars was having a problem, and they were saying that yeah, it may be an electrical issue, even though they've switched to their second ignition system. <laughs> right. And I was thinking to myself, like, I don't think I know of any... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's plenty of other race cars out there that have multiple ignition systems. But to have, like... To think, this is so likely to break that <laughs> I'm going to have this extra added weight of an entire ignition system. Yeah. Well, it's like, ever, you, it, you know, everything on the Saturn V rocket was, like, triple redundancy, basically. It's like that, because they know it is going to break, because it was, like hammered together in a shed by uh, (laughs) these aren't massively complicated systems like this is not a fuel injected system (laughs) no this is a carbureted system yeah like this is not new technology like why they need to have redundancy of something that is basically 1950s technology i have no idea Mm -hmm. unless it is just 1950s technology that they've just gone down to napa so what's your (laughs) oldest (laughs) distributor you can give me does but, it just make them if it makes them fatter and angrier and louder and more able to knock the crap out of each other? Then, then it's all I mean, the what, what they have NASCAR's about. What that that again kind of goes into my other point. I, I told you guys I was going to like to have a bit of a rant about this. Yeah. Like, aside from the fact that the cars don't look as good as they did, which is 
you could say the same thing about any other motorsport, right? There's rose-tinted glasses mm. and all that sort of stuff. But, like, it, they race at the same tracks with a lot of the same drivers in cars that look kind of the same with a lot of the same sponsors. Mm. Like, it's it's not that different. Yeah. Like, there's not much advantage. And I know they've tried to... We've, we've been even been through, like, the car of tomorrow and the car of tomorrow Gen 2 and stuff like that. But for all intents and purposes, like, this is... It's the storylines like manufacturer to manufacturer don't seem as important mm. in NASCAR, and there doesn't seem to be that much advancement in in that side of it. The drivers tend to stay around for for much longer. Like mm. Ryan Newman, who's obviously been in the news a lot this year, was mm. in that race, yeah. and you're like, yeah, this is spinning out who's... multiple times. Yeah. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tony Stewart only retired a couple of years ago, and he was well established yeah. by that point too. Jeff Gordon only just retired a couple of years ago, and he is in it. Obviously, Dale Junior too. Like mm. these people have like a twenty, twenty-five year career span. Yeah, and it's like I mean, we joke around about Kimi Räikkönen being in Formula One for donkey's years, but like you got to bear in mind that there's double the number of cars on the grids compared to a like a. a Formula but there's One also race. double the amount of races in the year. Yeah. Like these guys have commit to an insane schedule to do this. Like, it's it's just, I don't know. I I feel like you could what you could pick any NASCAR season in the last like I don't know, eight or nine years, and without being a really really like expert you know, viewer of it, mm. it'd be difficult to figure out what year you're watching. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I know I know we criticize Formula One for the for the opposite reason. Like, do we really want to be going off to like these flyaway races, mm. or do we want to stay around like, like the historic? european tracks mm. and things like that that's always an argument that comes up but it does add an element of excitement to have like you have the indian gp on the yeah, yeah. Come there or for a couple like of years. vietnam was going to be on this this year and zandvoort's coming back and i yeah. always love a, a new track not least because it means it appears in the game and you get something new to drive as well like if you played an ascar game for the last sort of pretty much 20 years like there's no real reason to play a newer nascar game do you know what i mean like there's, it, it doesn't like you say there's no technological arms race there's a lot of the same drivers running a lot of the same teams with a lot of the same sponsors mm-hmm. it does look very similar but they've got a problem you know nascar's struggling in terms of like viewership decline and things like that so they do Is need that a solution to what its success was like because i'm sure yeah. its success still like just i'm sure oh yeah like, it's still it's, it's still like um it's still extremely popular but it's not as popular as it was and there is a rot that has set in that they need to sort of sort out basically yeah um there's definitely they've, they've, and that's why they introduced the stages to newer races I hate which the stages. i could i could try and explain that but i can't it there's seemed, also I, the I, cha- I tried to get my head around it i only read about it and it just seemed like utter nonsense basically yeah it just it's ruins like, it i just they and they tried to introduce the playoff type finish to the season which i, I just don't I haven't talked to someone that feels like it works as far as like a motorsport championship goes. Yeah, the stages thing is really annoying because actually the thing I quite like about NASCAR, and you will have noticed this from watching this race, uh, is that it's a real slow burn to start with. I mean, I know there's a lot of chaos and a lot of crashes and stuff, but the actual like the key protagonists don't necessarily like come to the fore until the last sort of 20, 25% of the race. And so it's quite nice because you can kind of have it on and have it sort of have your partial attention but then as things start to ramp up your sort of attention curve goes up and and things get more exciting as you get to the end um 
But like, I love I I love NASCAR in concept. Like, I don't have a problem with it being oval racing. I don't think oval racing is like fundamentally boring, which a lot of motorsport fans that's the opinion they have. Certainly on you know in Europe and things. But um, but I do think it needs needs some work at the moment. It needs. I think I think they need to do some stuff around. Um, they need to decide what what they are like they they're not they aren't like the leader of technology mm. like they try to say the cars are and that's fine but don't advertise the series like it's yeah yeah you know, like it's like the, the pinnacle of technology um they do have amazingly close finishes and unbelievable amounts of overtakes mm. and yeah, they should really play on that rather than they, they don't need they don't need to be the pinnacle te- technology to be successful. That's not yeah. their success factor. It's it's having these dramatic, exciting races, and it's okay to tear the cars up. Like, and the, you know, Ryan Newman's accident proves the fact that like you know that technology they they do have those the safety cells they've built up might seem old school mm. when you compare it to like a super GT car. Or any other closed cockpit car that we see um, in like GT3s and stuff like that, but they—I don't know if you could have the same accident with a Merc GT3 car on its roof and have it hit at that mm. angle and expect the driver to get out. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago. Um, was it Alan Simonson at? Yeah, that was Le Mans that was a real freak Aston? accident. Yeah, it was that was 2013 but, or 2012 or something like that. But it's just—I mean, these things happen, and but NASCAR they. Their safety record is, you know, to be applauded. I mean, they've got some issues with like concussions and stuff like mm. that, but you know, as a lot of other sports do. So they've got some things to figure yeah. out. But I think there's some things they could do to make it more entertaining to watch on a turn by turn basis. Mm. Though like, you mentioned the cars moved around a lot more, Martin, than you'd expected them to. And I think if they had, and I, I've mentioned this to a few of my my NASCAR fan buddies, and they basically wanted to Kill attack me on site. But I think they should, before they take the cars on track, they should roll them over the scales and they should be 50-50 weight side to side. Right. So they can't go into that race with like a you know, a 53% left side weight or whatever they want to do. It, the, the car should not be designed to turn left. Mm. If you had a car that was that was tracking straight and it, and then tried to make that go around a corner, the thing's going to be so difficult to hang on to. Mm. And you're going to see the cars wallow and move around a lot more. Mm. And I think that along with making sure they're not coil binding. So they're not basically bottoming the suspension out Ooh. means the cars are going to be moving on their springs rather than on the, you know, basically on the bump stops. That means that the cars don't, won't look as planted. And I think all that sort of stuff, I mean, we see it in formula one too. It doesn't matter how fast the cars go. They always look just as fast but if mm. they're wriggling around on their tires and things they like look that, on I edge, that yeah yeah i think um yeah. and you, you can have you can have like a proper high downforce kit for the super speedways so that it's not a safety issue do you know what i mean you could still have sort of restrictor plate racing as it were but then just on the slightly slower tracks you'd have that more you know more of that movement and things because that's the thing like well, I, if you look you wouldn't be able to get you wouldn't be able to go flat i don't think around like daytona or talladega mm-hmm. if your car was set up with a 50 50 side sideways yeah but i think it, you need to be careful around daytona because the uh, daytona and talladega i mean the accidents they have there are epic and although they are you know the cars have a good safety record you do feel that there's an element of luck in there you know like i'm oh I'm yeah amazed it definitely is human walked away from that that incident um but yeah, yeah. anyway 
Um, but there, there are a few other things I wanted to mention from that race, mm-hmm. though, just quickly. There's, I don't know if you guys caught it, but there was a point when Jerry Nadu uh, reversed out of his pit box back. So yeah, that was amazing. That. <laughs> Before we get too critical of him, yeah. like that is is an easy thing to do. Have you because, done it? <laughs> well, for some reason that has yet to be explained to me, like my car's like this and a few others, uh, I'm sure that it's pretty common. Um, reverse is where first gear is. Right, like a dog and box sort of thing. A, in my first gear is where second would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, I think it's called so, a dog box, right? Well, I thought dog box is when you just have straight cut gears. I don't know about... No, no, I think... This, I, our transmission is from a, like a, a Chevy van. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't think it's... <laughs> it's definitely not a dog box. Um, but it's... um, it Basically... There's been quite a few times, normally when I'm trying to get it into the trailer or something, when I think I'm going forward and I back it out into the paddock mm. by accident. Um, no, you never look good as a result. But I just want to say, you know, I don't think we should criticise him for that. Um, did you see the driver change? Yeah, that was Stewart? crazy. Yeah. I love the <laughs> way the guy was cradling how... him like a baby, Todd Bodine. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I had to be white because I, I was like, wasn't really paying attention when that was going on. I was like, what? Are they putting an injured driver in for the injured driver they're pulling out? Like, what is this? But I guess they just figured out it was quicker. <laughs> yeah, they to, just like, slid slide him in. in. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that driver ever li- lived that down. I think if I was <laughs> him, I'd be like, I know it's going to take us a little bit longer, guys, but I, I, I can, can get it myself yeah. <laughs> because he's holding him for like a good like twenty seconds, waiting for the car to show then, up or wait for Tony Stewart to get out, and you're like, and then you got to drive through penalty anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, and they, I love the way the commentators were like implying, and maybe they're right, but they seem like they were wrong. They're implying that the drive-through penalty was like a tactical decision because they did throw the they they did throw the restart and restart a couple of laps later or something. But I don't know if that was a tactical decision. I think he just sped yeah. on pit lane because he didn't know what he was doing. I don't think getting a penalty has ever been a particularly uh, a particularly winning like tactical no, decision. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have I have a question from Martin here. So. If you're a driver on a NASCAR race, mine, and you're driving down pit lane and you're about to hit the cones where the the, the pit lane speed limiter starts, yeah, what do you do? A scream, okay, <laughs> and, and then just scream, run the cone over. You've you've got the car down to your pit lane speed. How do you stop it from going over your pit lane speed limit? Scream again. <laughs> well, how would you do it in a Formula One car or a, a, a GT3 car or something like that? Well, with a limit and everything, you got a little button. Little tiny yeah, right. <laughs> you know this, Mike, yeah. don't you? I don't think they even have them today, do they? No. Uh, so it's they don't even have the. They must have a speedo yeah. now, surely. But they used to. I don't. They used to decide. They'd have a gear, so they'd be like, "All right, the pit lane speed limiter is four thousand revs in second, and that's how yeah. they worked it out. Basically, it's so. I much like that. Out. That's a, that's that's got to be part of the art of it, though. It's just like it's just done a bit of automation. It's like in the same way, like apparently recently, um, some petrol stations have started doing so. You can actually just put in how much how much money you want. So you say you want fifty pounds worth of petrol, mm. and I think that's losing a vital art of when of you actually like, have to squeeze yeah. it. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then you just get to like the last. You get to like forty nine pounds eighty seven. It's like race something, and you slow down a little bit. I mean, that's a talent that you don't mm. want to lose, basically. And it's the same with the pit limiter thing. Like you, that's just. What? So my next question is how how would they go about setting that? How do they figure that out? Uh, <laughs> it's some guy running along a side every race out his, his number of paces or something. Every every race they have a different gear ratio, and it's yeah. So <laughs> they'll 
So at the, once they figured out what their gear ratio is, they get the guy with the speed gun to clock them. <laughs> and they'll figure out by that, like, what, what revs they have to do. Yeah, it was pretty vague. I, that was, to this day, I have no, I have no idea what to my pit lane speed limit is at Stafford. So do you just go really slowly? Just to be sure. Or get a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Either or. Um, I liked... But no, if I'm on pit lane anyway, my race is like... Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. Um, I liked Tony Stewart's spin and not getting hit by the entire field coming to That was that incredible. Was How they didn't... Uh, yeah, that was... On a, on a track nice. with that little space. It's amazing that no one hit him. Um, I also liked uh, Dale, Dale Jr. and Robbie Gordon's little... Uh, well, like Robbie Gordon's save when Dale Jr. nudged him. That was an awesome save. It seemed to be going on for like... Well, it's a 16-second lap. It seemed to go on for like half a lap, his save. Uh, it was amazing. I don't understand. I don't understand what happened. Like, I, I mean, I saw what happened at the end of the race, but there was something about the fact that like Robbie Gordon was a lap down or something and, and held up Dale Jr. Yeah. So he so I think, bumped him. I think what happened was, obviously, like Dale Jr. like basically bump and run did a bump and run on on Robbie Gordon, which was why Gordon had that mad save where somehow he sort of caught it. Um, and then I think Robbie Gordon was like, because he'd ended up up in the in the garbage, he'd lost like about 14 places. So when Dale Jr. came around to lap him, he just basically parked in front of him. And Dale Jr. gets annoyed about that and is like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't, you know, he's got no awareness, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so Dale Jr. ran into him as they were coming into pit lane. <laughs> And Robbie Gordon was like, right, I'm just going to turn him around then. And just basically, like, mm. rotated him in pit lane. And then they had a they fight. They take a big chunk out of each other as well. Like, yeah. In, like, yeah, there's a fair bit of damage. I mean, the commentator's just like, oh, why didn't you think of the poor fabricator? Yeah, he's, got, he's got to do it afterwards. There's no one thinking of the fabricator. He had, he had two weeks until <laughs> Texas. Just get the lump hammer out. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, like, like I said, it was a NASCAR race with everything. It had cautions. It had action. And it had a fight in pit lane at the end. Um, why isn't so why think, isn't Matt Neal in NASCAR? Why is, why isn't it? Because he seems like he's per, he's perfect home basically. This way he can just knock the crap out of other drivers. <laughs> it would be perfect. Um, but yeah, so so go on then, Martin. What was your verdict of NASCAR uh, circa two thousand and two? Um, it's absolutely bad. I just basically I was, I was watching it like uh, it was on in the background during work today, and I just I just kept on just being absolutely aghast, but how insane this was that someone thought it was a good idea to do this <laughs> to, to to get this many cars racing around like that with with such aggro, um, and then therefore it was amazing. Yeah, is NASCAR still like that? Then? Is it still as elbows out as that and as crazy as that? It doesn't. Well, they're feel a bit more way. aero sensitive mm. now, so they don't really like. But in that race, especially considering the low speeds of it. They they would just lean on each other all the time, and it wouldn't really matter. I mean, you saw Kurt Busch's car; the nose of it had like a big hole in it. Mm. Well, yeah, um, all of them. And at the end of the race, most of the cars are like like um, like Chris Pack. Chris Pack has just been like rumpled up and <laughs> yeah. everything. They're just yeah. like absolutely dented everywhere. But that <laughs> Kurt Busch's bump and run on uh, I can't remember what the dude's name was um, was awesome. Like it was just perfectly perfectly judged. He just gave him a little tap, unsettled him. The guy was like wobbling a little bit, and he just drove underneath him. It was like. That sort of that's the classic like Robin's racing sort of days of thunder thing, right? The entire crowd of the uh, of the field of the BTCC are like, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly that. that. <laughs> um, yeah, either oh, was great. Anyway, let's talk about some other little bits briefly um, before we wrap up. Uh, first of all, uh, last week I entered an esports race for a joke, sort of. <laughs> um, mainly to wind Pete up because obviously Pete's been nagging me to um, 
resubscribe to iRacing and do some proper serious online racing with him. Um, and I, I wind him up by talking about race room all the time, uh, as I did in episode one. And so when they announced that they were doing a race room VIP race, I thought they'll probably let me drive in this if I asked them nicely enough. And they did. And I did a race and I came 20th out of 30. And you guys, you guys watched, right? You saw, yeah, my, yeah, I watched you it. saw my yeah. performance. Um, pace wise, weak, I would say, but I stayed out of trouble. Uh, including on the first lap, which was absolute chaos. I think your, about, your pace, it's... your pace was uh, aligned pretty much with the other YouTubers, though. Yeah, I mean, so. there, there were a lot of pro drivers in it that obviously were blatting you know, around, yeah. pretty phenomenal. Well, I only finished but... two spots behind Dan Kamish, who's an actual BTCC driver, but he did have a massive accident. So, you know. <laughs> but it wasn't about your pace at all. It was about it was about the grace, which is the most mm. important thing. And you, and you were a Bentley, yeah, boy. Exactly, yeah, you yeah. in a Bentley. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Like it does. You you've won the race by entering in a yeah. Bentley. Basically, I, I was like... I was the commentators fan fan favorite did you did you watch back yeah. the uh commentary yeah they <laughs> absolutely loved it i noticed that every time they cut to me i was like crashing off the circuit which is rather unfortunate because <laughs> in my mind doesn't matter though because it looked yeah great, it did look but... amazing um but they they caught me crossing the line as well and i did the classic even though it's sim and there are no like guys on the pit wall like waving you in i did the classic oh, no, driving next to the <laughs> next to the pit wall I was in spirit. I was stuffed in Bentley. Yeah. Next, next time you go into a session, if you do that, your cars is a little bit faster because you, you, you guys have put a little bit more work into it. <laughs> we, I, I have a confession to make because Pete and I did a bit of testing, and I was like fiddling around with the traction control, and I was kind of like driving and like sort of sticking it up a bit. But what was happening was I was like still going reasonably fast, but just having like horrible accidents, and then I'd be like, all right, I'll switch the traction control up again, and I'd be like again going quite fast and then having a horrible accident and what happened was i was improving but i was also turning down my traction control as i was improving so i was getting more and more wayward um and it turned out basically by the end of it i think i pretty much turned it off and so then pete left and and had had to go and have dinner or something and i realized that i what i'd done and i switched it back down to a sensible traction control thing and then i was immediately like fully consistent staying on the circuit around the nurburgring which is a challenge in itself uh, and suddenly felt a lot more confident. But yeah, it was really good fun. Yeah. Like, I had a really good first lap, and I beat Jimmy Broadbent. Although that was because he had massive lag and, and like, smashed <laughs> off the circuit. So, the one thing to note is, like, what I've I've noticed with these, in Sims, especially, like, the GT3 cars, and it, well, anything with TC, when none of it is the same car to car, like, I can't remember which one it is, but there's one where, you know, one is the least amount of traction control, yeah. And eleven's the highest, but twelve is off. Right, that makes perfect that makes so, sense. Yeah. <laughs> if you keep jamming it up to the top, and you're like, I need more TC until it just she goes, yeah, none now. But I was just like, <laughs> I just assumed lower number meant less TC, but it was it was the other way around. It's like the traction control preset was number one preset is all your traction control on, and then it kind of gradually by percentages disappears as you go on. But I think one thing I will say about the Bentley is that like it definitely wasn't the fastest car out there. They reckon at the start before the race they recommended the cars that had the best you know the, the quickest in terms of the bop and it was like the uh audi and the merc and the porsche basically uh and i was like i asked them what i should drive and like i said i'll, I'll pretty much drive anything i don't mind and they suggested the bentley and i was like well that's perfect because like i love that car but it did understeer really really badly like it was it's pretty. Bad I should expect it to. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's I mean, you've only. I mean, the the whole point of that Bentley is that 
it's probably got a whole set, set of like umbrellas mm. and champagne flutes and a picnic set yeah. in the back. It depends. So. Where did you? Because it depends where. Like a lot of it about just kind of like the weight bias and where you put the um, the the um, the hamper. Like if you put it yeah, in the front, exactly. it, will, it would understeer a bit more. And that's why you need to put, <laughs> that's how you put get... Ben or Fortman there, Fortman Masons. Yeah, just put whack some more of those fancy biscuits. That's in the how back. you get your yeah, perfect also, 50, 50 weight. Also, the Nur- the Nurburgring. Uh, trim has a, a bigger picnic hamper because of <laughs> yeah. the fact that you're probably going to be away from the pits. Long. Yeah, exactly. You need, you need your... So you got two champagne fleet. There's uh, two uh, magnums of champagne yeah. that you've got. Vital sustenance for that eight minute lap. There's a there's a lot of cucumber for the cucumber sandwiches. <laughs> so. Anyway, having having done that race purely to spite Pete, uh, I am actually looking to uh, resubscribe to iRacing because. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up, and iRacing is... Well, is wait, great. before we get off of Race Room... Yes. How was the uh, second race, Mike? It didn't happen because <laughs> uh, of network connection issues. Um, which was because, to be fair to them, they, they made it a free weekend, so all the content was free for that weekend. But what that meant was there was a lot of people on the servers, and they just I just don't think they were sort of set up for it. So, um, yeah, it was... No, I mean, to be, to be fair, Race Room, it looked great mm. as a as a like a TV directed type of esport race yeah. better than I think the R Factor stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's yeah, more more right, presentable. Yeah. Um the switching around between drivers looked better than the F one esports stuff mm. that we've been watching on the Veloce channel. Yeah. Um and driving it with you I mean the the G T three cars especially and the Nurburgring, yeah, it's a lot of fun to drive. I think mm. the balance is really good. The 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 handling physics is you know it's it's quite forgiving in a way like it's not i think a lot of that's to do with the bentley too yeah. but also the gt3 cars i think the way they modeled it there's a lot of feels very compliant and it it just you know makes you feel quite comfortable mm. so you're not going out and i mean unless you turned on the traction control <laughs> yeah quite um, and, like it, it just feels like you're you're, you're making progress yeah you know, when you go out rather than being too too much of a you know just attacking yeah the they've changed i mean they've changed the gt3 <laughs> physics like fairly recently within the last year or so and um i think it's made a big big difference it's a good it's a good little sim obviously it doesn't have the structure and the and more importantly the player base that the sort of i racing has but it's it's fun to drive there's some good content in there it's still one of my favorite like sim racing things of all time is the dtm 1992 season is in there basically in its entirety with all of the cars and all the sponsors and it's just brilliant um and randomly, a, what a Mustang! Yeah, yeah, the Ford Mustang from that year. Actually, the <laughs> that only... Mustang was that. Yeah, that Ford Mustang. I was. I say it's incredible that year. It was terrible, but yeah. it was there. <laughs> um, I wonder if that has two ignition systems. Probably, it's got eight. It's got eight ignition systems. Just <laughs> one, in case. one per cylinder. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was good fun. Anyway, I enjoyed doing it just to wind Pete up mainly. Um, so, well, talk of eye racing though. Mm. Martin, are you going to race with me this weekend? Are you going to join Scuderia Chicken House? My sub has expired. It's one of those things I, I, yeah, and and I haven't. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. But like, but like, money can resolve that like instantly. (laughs) You don't have to like go to iRacing. I've just I've traveled to classic. I'm I'm a race. I'm a a classic race driver. Nothing but excuses because my my VR headset's down as well. But you don't need VR to race. In, in fact, you wouldn't want to race an endurance race in a VR headset, surely. Yeah, people do it if they like having lazy. a sweaty face. Yeah, I don't like having a sweaty it. face. Um, uh, the last thing I, I, I wanted experience. to talk about was um, 
Uppity, the Willie T. Ribs documentary, which is well worth a watch if you have Netflix. Uh, although, Martin, uh, you quit. You rage quit. I felt out. I, I quit. So basically, I was... Um, I, the Willie T. Ribs story is obviously fantastic and amazing. Mm. but uh, And so I was super interested to watch this. Do you, uh, like how, then... do you like how I guessed exactly the point where you rage quit? Because <laughs> you were like, I stopped well, watching. Of... <laughs> and I was like, I know exactly when it was. But go on, For explain. For the first like, five, ten minutes, they just it's just talking heads. I don't know if this improves. It's just talking heads, and then they're just talking over completely random, unrelated motorsport images. At Brands Hatch. And, at Brands Hatch. It's just like <laughs> some random archi- archive footage they've got. Clearly, they're too tight to like um, get our stuff. Not even, not even that. It's just it makes no sense whatsoever. Just hearing the story of this, of him like coming up uh, when he's racing in the routes um, in in America and everything. I mean, you're seeing Brands Hatch, like some touring car race from Brands Hatch. It's like, why are you doing this? Yeah. I do, I, and so after I, that, it lost me completely. I don't, I well, I, I don't know the Willie T. Rib story, so I feel like uh, it's probably worth a watch. It me, is, but... yeah, it definitely is. Um, I will say, having watched the whole thing, unlike Martin, uh, I, I did <laughs> notice that during the... So basically, the, the, the story is that, and I didn't realise he'd done this, but he actually like self-funded himself to go to Europe to race because he wasn't able to do it in the States. Um, so he did race at Brands Hatch and apparently did quite well, but there's no footage of this this stuff apparently um so you get a bunch of like nonsense i think the other thing that's worth pointing out is i think like europe gets off really really lightly because obviously the whole point of this story is that he was a a black racing driver in america and and sort of facing all these kind of problems in the in the sort of uh 80s uh particularly because he he sort of floated around in kind of like nascar circles and things like that uh and he just didn't get a lot of respect because he was a, a black racing driver and they just didn't really exist uh the bit about when he's at, uh, in Europe, he's like, oh, everyone in Europe was great. They, um, you know, they they treat me with respect. They didn't care about the color of my skin. They, you know, they, I was just another driver, blah, 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 um, which is great, but I don't think is necessarily representative. It's yeah. wonderful that he had that experience, but definitely I think racism still exists in motorsport, in European motorsport, and even at the, at the sort of highest level. I've talked a bit about, I've definitely talked to Martin about it, it before about the way people react to Lewis Hamilton and whether they realize it or not they're like oh I just don't like him or he rubs me up the wrong way or whatever um and I think maybe if they sort of interrogated that a bit more they might realize that there's a little bit of veiled racism yeah a little bit of that and it was when uh when he won his most recent championship everyone on Twitter was like well not everyone but loads of people on Twitter were like whatever you think of Hamilton uh he's a great driver I'm like why is it always prefaced with like whatever you think of Hamilton? Because this is a guy who um, the the main criticism I've heard about him was the kind of moving to um, Geneva or wherever it is, you know, the kind of tax avoidance thing, um, which every single race car right, driver exactly, does. Exactly. Yeah, you don't. Many... Other than maybe Nigel Mansell because he likes Sutton Coldfield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like Jensen Button did it. Like everyone's everyone has done that. So that's the criti- that's the only like uh, material criticism I can hear of him. But otherwise. He's never. Uh, I got. I've got. I've got another gun. He does. He does whine a lot on the radio. Yeah, but he. Uh, he's just. He's just getting. Them, getting them to get the job done. Basically. Yeah. He's got a I good actually. Relationship with him. He's not like. Man. I mean, I. I do get the fact that like he. They also the race director does pick and choose what things yeah, you of course, hear. Yeah. So like I, naturally like if there's a agenda to push. I think yeah, then or a narrative. I think he. I think he has like he obviously has high standards and that's why he's won so many races. But what I would say about Hamilton is that like. We were saying this 
won't we, Martin? That there's none of the questions about his like on track behavior. Like he's never like intentionally run people yeah. off the road. Uh, like Schumacher did. Do you remember when Schumacher like uh, tried to run Barrichello into a pit wall or something like that? Um, oh yeah, yeah, Barrichello was in the many, many, many instances. Yeah, Senna was, um, Senna was the same as well. and Senna, Senna was, was exactly the same. Like totally yeah. ruthless. And actually, Hamilton's managed to over the course of his career. You could put, remain you could put Vettel in that category too. Vettel's yeah. done some crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Mark Twenty One wasn't. Yeah, well, yeah. Even, that, even that that was one of the, the, the more of the cleaner kind of. So, drove into like, Hamilton under the safety car. Back that was outrageous. Ten second penalty. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, so I feel like there's none of those questions about his on-track track conduct. I think his off-track conduct is pretty, pretty amazing as well. He's, you get the other thing he gets criticised for is for being a bit preachy. But like, I think that that again, you know, probably bears a bit of interrogation. But um, you know, he uses his platform for like positive stuff. He tries to be like generally positive, encouraging of people. Um, and I just think, yeah, I think that stuff is still still exists, even though this when he's, he's, he's had his. He's had his f- ups, definitely. Like he's had things like, sure. um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but they, but they, but then he's always acknowledged him, I think, and um, he just. Well, he never th- acknowledged the Nicole Scherzinger period. <laughs> <laughs> never made his excuses for that. Um, but I do think I do agree, and I think um, if you could imagine the sport without him, like, would it be you know as reputable as a sport? Without not at him all versus with him. he's, Hol- he's Hollywood he's... as well yeah he's absolutely yeah, right. yeah I, think... he's, I just think it's a shame people don't appreciate him while he's around yeah um, because of when he's gone he, he's going to be sorely missed mm. it's like it's weird though right? um, people are never really appreciate their time obviously it said it was hated mm. before he died by so many people I and mean, it's like obviously yeah. as soon as he dies he becomes uh, a yeah. but it wasn't the case when he was alive um, and I wish we kind of just appreciated Hamilton a bit more because he's incredible. Yeah, I think he. I mean, he's he's probably the best of all time. Like he's just he doesn't have any like uh, negative stats, as it were. He's like he's the most complete driver I've ever seen. I've ever seen in that he's totally on top of it. He's got the technical understanding, and he like wheel to wheel. I'm I'm still convinced he's among the best out there although he well, he's did he's got the Rosberg gear against him yeah. and also the button yeah, the button well, yeah he's, he's, well he's never over. he's not as good as Rosberg whatever happens <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, but yeah that's a different conversation well, there you go yeah um, but do you think um, would you guys be excited if he um, did like a, a Ferrari swap at the end of the year oh I'd love that it'd be brilliant okay, it's not going to happen but yeah um, but I mean wouldn't it be great though if he if he did think like because we all know that he's going to retire from Mercedes, mm. right? That's going to happen. Yeah. Whether it's when he ties the record or exceeds it. Yeah. But like whether or not he sees his next thing that he does is something else in motorsport, which I doubt. Um or if it's just something else entirely like being in a more I think Call of Duty game. He's just I think the model, he'll become the an is... ambassador for Mercedes. Yeah. And then yeah, he'll become an ambassador for Mercedes and do all these other stuff and that's it. That's what, that's simple. I, that's what he's hinting I at really, he, basically. I really, really hope that's not the case and he ends up trying to think, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take do do a proper Schumacher thing where he takes the people that when Mercedes folds and it we kind of think mm. it will, right? There's a few people that I'm sure he would want to try and pull out of there, and, and he could probably take to another team like Ferrari. Yeah, there was the rumor going around that him and Toto were going to do a takeover and do like a kind of almost like a Braun thing mm. uh, if Mercedes did pull out. But that was when there was more uncertainty about Mercedes because there was like a board meeting earlier this year when Mercedes were discussing the yeah. team, and then they, that was one of the options. But then uh, that <laughs> board meeting, they, 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 they get up, 
they get a Honda engine, and then like all of a sudden, like Alonso's on the phone. Hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, I I think um I think his model is not any retired Formula One driver in history. His model is like Beckham, basically. He's like a brand. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. what he's going to be. And I'm sure he will remain an ambassador for Mercedes. But like when he's left the cockpit, I can't see him. He doesn't even. He's got nothing left to prove, and he doesn't seem like he 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 still clearly enjoys racing. Otherwise, he wouldn't be doing it. But I think he could. He's the sort of person who could let it go and still have so much else going on in his life that he would be. He would be sort of fine with that. You're, what you're basically saying is that he would mimic the status that Nicky Lauda got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even maybe even with less involvement in the sport, because I guess Nicky Lauda came back and and was like actively involved in Mercedes. And to hear sort of Hamilton say, uh, talk about it, Lauda was kind of pivotal in his his coming to the team and also their establishment as a as a sort of front of the grid force. But I, I did want to just um, touch back on the the Willie T Rib stuff. Um, yeah. Once it kind of hits its stride and he's in IMSA, where there was like regular televised sort of races, you get a lot more great footage. You get him in that amazing Dan Gurney Toyota, which I can't believe you stopped. Um, what? Okay, I'm going to go back and watch <laughs> yeah, this now. I can't, I can't believe you what, stopped uh, watching the before Toyota the Toyota. Oh my God, I love that thing. Yeah. Right, I'm going go, to go and watch it this um, time right now. He, he's absolutely <laughs> awesome. He's doing like the... Uh, he's doing like... <laughs> Martin's going to hang his trousers <laughs> off over the door. Yeah. He's like... <laughs> Do not disturb sign on and trousers over the door, yeah. Um, but uh, so there's all that footage. He's doing the like the Muhammad Ali shuffle on the top of his car when he wins. He's winding up his teammates. He's like, uh, he goes to NASCAR. Everyone hates him um, because you know, at, at the time, I guess um, NASCAR was a was a real mess in terms of racists, basically. Um, uh, and that has improved as well. Obviously, like Bubba Wallace is doing amazing yeah. stuff in, in NASCAR at the moment. Um, and then you get all the stuff where he was trying to uh, qualify for the Indy 500. And it's real, like, it's pretty awesome stuff. It's definitely not as, like, um, engaging or, like, um, kind of adrenalized, I guess, as Drive to Survive. But it's it's worth watching the rest of it, Martin. Just fast forward through the bits where they do the dirty on Brands Hatch. And then... Yeah. Um, and then the rest of it's pretty cool. And those Dan Gurney Eagle Toyotas are awesome. That's all I need to know. Yeah. If they're um, in there, I'm, I'm But I, I'd actually watch, because I'm, a, again, a painful nerd. Like, I've watched a bunch of IMSA stuff from that era. So I'd seen some of his races and stuff. And he's just a cool guy. Like, and a lot of people, again, like, a, a bit like the same with the Hamilton thing. He rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. But I think he was really having to fight just to, to stay in the sport and to, you know, his, his treatment by sponsors and and things like that and other people in the sport meant that he had to be kind of tough and, and kind of a little bit abrasive to, to make his way in the sport. And he was certainly talented. I didn't even realise he tested a Brabham. He must have yeah, he oh, must yeah. have been the first black guy first in, a, in, a, yeah, in, a, in, a, in an F1 car, uh, hmm. which is amazing. But um, Anyway, yeah, well worth a watch um, if you haven't seen it. And I think we're pretty much at time now, at time or over. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for... Um, listening to the caution period podcast we now have twitter oh my god turns out at caution period wasn't taken on twitter so that we've got that twitter now basically so if you'd like to follow us there uh, we'll post stuff on there uh, certainly the new including episodes. what we're gonna watch this weekend yeah we'll yes. work out yeah if you want to know what we're gonna watch this weekend we'll work it out and we'll put it on the twitter um also uh, you should be able to now find us on itunes and spotify at the very least and some other 
services as well. So thank you so much for uh, listening. Uh, and we will hopefully catch you next week.